Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Brave Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. At the end of this talk, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook or Instagram, where you can get even more connected to what's going on in our community. But most importantly, we hope the following talk inspires you to take your next step in finding or following Jesus. All right, we're so glad you're here. You know, Brave Church is all about helping people find and follow Jesus. And so wherever you're at in your journey today, we're really glad that you're here. Have you ever read your Bible and come across something that bothered you? I mean, let's be honest, something that maybe made you feel uncomfortable for whatever reason, Uh, maybe even something that you disagreed with or you just flat out didn't understand. What happens when we face parts of the Bible that challenge our own belief system? Uh, Do we try to, you know, bend our understanding of who God is to match our thinking of who he should be? Or do we change our thinking to match what the Bible teaches? If we read a New York bestseller that says the Bible's documents are unreliable and untrustworthy, uh, do we leave our faith over that? Is the foundation of our faith whether or not the Bible is controversial? I don't think so. At the end of the day, the foundation of our Christian faith is based on one thing and one thing only, and that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so today's topic is what to do when we disagree with the Bible. Everybody say, ooh. Yeah, what to do when we disagree with the Bible. I mean, this topic takes us all the way back to the very beginning when the very first human beings disagreed with God's word to them. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 3 or open your program notes or follow along on the screen. But it's the story of the first disagreement between human beings and God. So here's the overview of where we're going today. I'm going to read the story, make some observations, and then give you three points to consider when disagreeing with God. How's that sound? Are we ready? Okay, Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You certainly will not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, well, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And then the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. The struggle 
of whether or not to believe and trust in God's word began in the garden. Today, how we read the Bible, how we interact with the Bible, really varies depending on a a variety of factors. For example, our own emotional well-being, our upbringing, the key influencers in our lives, our personalities, and of course, our overall knowledge of the Bible and whether or not we know how to study it or even how to interpret it. And so many people challenge the word of God without having read it, nor having studied it. They just kind of repeat some soundbite that somebody threw out there, and, but they've never actually read the scripture. Uh, on YouTube, video, Oprah Winfrey says that her patience with, quote, uh, rules, belief systems, and doctrines began when she was in her early 20s. And she shares that she heard a Baptist pastor say that God was jealous. And that really turned her off. And sadly, uh, she didn't know what the verse meant, nor what the pastor was quoting from, nor even how to interpret it. But she allowed that one soundbite, that one statement to shape a false narrative about God. Now, I don't know what she believes today. We're all on a journey. She could believe something totally different today. But the question is this. Do I trust in God and his word as the final authority in my own life, in my rule of conduct, for what I believe, what my value system is? And if the answer is no, then you may believe that, you know, I believe that whatever works for you works for me and whatever your truth is is my truth and that's fine. But if the authority in your life is you, then you might say, well, I live my own truth because I believe what I feel is truth is true, which means I'm my own source of authority. And therefore, God is who I say he is. This is a faith that's sourced not in a relationship with God, but in a relationship with myself. Jesus taught there are only two types of foundations. There's the one that you can build on that's called the rock, the word of God, or sand, which is the opinions and feelings of other human beings. You see, when I'm uh, led by what I feel, I'm no longer following Jesus. I'm a follower of me. It's like being a ship at sea without a sail or a rudder to guide you. It's based on my feelings. I become a person that's vulnerable to any belief or feeling, whether it's good or bad, depending on how I feel that particular day. And so in the story of Adam and Eve, Satan questioned the word of God or the message to them. And he asked, did God really say that? Does he really mean that? Uh, Does God really mean it that if you touch that, you'll die? Does God know that when you eat from it, that your eyes are going to be open and that you'll be God? You'll be like God. He's creating doubt by implying that God is somehow keeping something from them and that he may not really have their best interests in mind and that you can be God. You don't need him. And so Satan asks questions to undermine their relationship with God. I mean, after all, why would God create you this way and then not let you enjoy what you want, right? And so through all of this, Satan has one goal in mind, to get Eve to set herself up as her own source of truth, convince her that that God, God's way, you know, it really doesn't make sense. Therefore, if it doesn't make sense to me, and I don't feel right about it, then I have the right to ignore God's opinion in my life. In fact, Satan says, if you don't obey God, you can be God. You can decide what's right and wrong based on your feelings. You can live your own truth. 
The last few weeks, we've taken a break from our series. We were talking about in the last three Sundays, we laid a foundation teaching through how we got the Bible, why the Bible's such a big deal, and then how to read the Bible. And hopefully over these last few weeks, your view of God's word has been elevated. But if you miss those talks, you can go to Brave Church, our YouTube channel, and pick up where we left off. But in Isaiah chapter 55, God says this in verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says, my ways, my thoughts, my feelings are different than your ways, your thoughts, and your feelings. Now, I would agree with this because there's a lot of things in the Bible that I would not have thought to put in the Bible. For example, the prophet Ezekiel cooking dung on an open fire. I wouldn't have left that in there. Or the whole thing about circumcising thousands of men after they crossed the River Jordan. It just, the whole thing sounds painful, right? The list just goes on. But there's a lot of things in the Bible that that's why it's so fascinating, really. That's why it's so interesting. First, let's be clear. It's not wrong to disagree with God, nor to question him, but it is wrong to disobey him. You see, disagreement without resolve can lead to sin, but it doesn't have to. Healthy disagreements can lead to a greater understanding that deepens your relationship with God. I think about Joseph who has this dream where he's promoted. It's really cool. And, uh, but he probably didn't think that the path that God chose for him was the best. The path that, okay, now you're going to be sold into slavery. Then you're going to go into Potiphar's house and you're going to be falsely accused. And then you're going to go to prison. I rather doubt he thought that God had his best interest in mind when he was in the middle of going through all of that. I think just like you and I, he experienced some delusionment, some disagreement, maybe even with God, some struggle, some discouragement, but we know that it only deepened his relationship with God. Even Jesus said, is there another way that this cup can pass from me? I mean, where I don't have to go to the cross, but then he says, but not my will, but yours be done. A relationship with God begins with humility. It begins with trust. We're being offered a relationship with our divine creator who's eternal, who's all-knowing and all-present, and his greatest motive towards you is love. You see, he never wakes up grumpy. Uh, He doesn't need a cup of coffee to center himself, you know. He's a predictably good God all of the time. He doesn't try to be good. He is good, and he's full of goodness, and he's gracious, and he's merciful, and he's compassionate, and he's kind. And I know I'm bragging on him, but I love him because I've been walking with him for 58 years. That's over a half a century. And you know what I know? I know he's faithful. I know he's a good God, and I know he's trustworthy, and I know he's loyal, and I know he's reliable. Does that mean that like everything in my life has gone perfectly? No way. Does that mean that, you know, nothing in my life has been hard or unjust? No. A perfect God isn't responsible for every imperfect thing. But he has worked out and he's worked through everything in my life for his good purpose. And I can trust him. Life is unfair, but God is good. And if you want to know God, the Bible is the most objective way to know him. 
So when I disagree with the Bible or the word of God, I recommend these three things in your outline, three things to consider when disagreeing with God. And you get to talk about this in your home churches this week. Also, the youth are starting their cruise or youth version of home churches as well this week. Pretty cool. Number one, write this down. Discover God's view. God sees every possibility. We only see the possibilities that we have the capacity for based on our past experiences, uh, what we know, or our own imagination. You see, our view is limited. We have to start there. We only see things in our lives from our vantage point. The Bible describes God as the alpha and the omega. That means he's the beginning and the ending of every matter. He sees everything, and he sees the outcome even before it occurs. And so that gives him a very distinct advantage over you and I. It also means that we can learn humbly to trust in a God that's greater than ourselves, who does have our best interests in mind. You see, the chasm of knowledge is just so big between us and God. And so respect and honor begins with how I respect and how I honor God. And one of the chief ways that I respect and honor God is how I apply the word of God into my everyday life. Do I take it seriously? Or is it kind of just one more opinion? Well, yeah, the Bible says that, but I don't believe that. Sometimes people will take a position of disagreement even before they know the facts or before they know what the Bible actually means by those verses or that passage. Some people are actually so bold as to speak on behalf of God and they have no authority or right to. And that can be so hurtful and so offensive to people. I grew up in a a weird religious system uh, that did a lot of offensive things in the name of God and taught a lot of bizarre things. In fact, the, the church I grew up in, it had this thing called advice to members. And one of the, uh, on the list of advice to members was not to go bowling. You thought you had it bad as a kid, right? (laughs) Couldn't go bowling. Bad things could happen there. Uh, No movies, not even Disney movies. My parents felt so bad one time. They let my brother and I go with our neighbors and sneak under a blanket. And we drove into, it was in Fresno, a drive-in movie theater. And we got to see our first Disney movie. Imagine getting snuck in to see the Lego movie. That's like crazy, right? Religion can get crazy, Also, in that particular denomination, uh, women were encouraged not to wear makeup. They've since changed that, uh, and now they encourage their women to wear makeup. So, everything. I mean, religious groups say and do all kinds of things that misrepresent God. This is why I'm responsible and you're responsible to face your own disagreements with God. Not just take things that you hear at face value from different people. Because if you start out, I'm already offended at God based on somebody else's statement or viewpoint, that could really impact your relationship. And that would be naive to allow that to happen. Imagine your friends have been telling you about someone, right? And they're talking about this person and you haven't met the person yet. And they say, you know what, this person, they're a racist, they're a sexist, and they're judgmental. And then one day you're talking to another friend and he talks about that same person. But then he says, you know what? That person is the best friend I've ever had. He's the kindest, most patient, most loving person in existence. 
Well, now what do you do? You've probably got a lot running through your head, right? You're weighing two very different views of the same person that you really don't know. And so some of you are here today and you've just been introduced to Jesus and maybe you've heard two radically different perspectives about who God is. And so the best thing that you can do is to get to know God for yourself through reading the word of God. So next week, we're going to talk about uh, how the Bible gets personal. God cannot be known through others. So we have to get to know God for ourselves. So what's your starting point? What have you heard? That's why point number one is so important. Discover God's view. Don't assume. Discover his view. Satan got right in the middle, in between their relationship, triangling Adam and Eve and God, and he starts casting this cloud of doubt on God's character. It's, well, it's the age-old path of how to destroy any friendship or relationship. It starts like this, and the cycle is repeated over and over and again, and that is this. Eve starts listening to the words of a serpent, someone who actually wants to ruin that relationship. That's how all relationships are ruined. When one person believes a carefully crafted lie about someone else who's not present. The moment you believe a lie about the one that you once love, well, you're no longer walking in love with them. It's so easy to get offended over something in God's word or something said about God that we don't understand or even know God. For example, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, this is some really good stuff. Are you ready? First, are you ready? Okay, all right. I know you're thinking very deeply. I can see that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 5. It says, this will be very helpful. (laughs) Okay. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, she might as well have her hair cut off. But if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, then she should cover her head. Now, Pastor Samuel taught a few weeks back on how to read the Bible, and he said that everyone is an interpreter of the Bible. So some people and church groups today interpret and teach that these two verses are applicable today. And so their women literally cover their heads. But what if when we come across these verses, we were to disagree and we think, huh, is that right? What if we were to discover God's view? What if we were to trust in God's character and say, does that really make sense? And what if we were to seek first to understand rather than just judge or judge Paul about who he is or his motives in writing that? For example, to understand these verses, you must discover first the cultural context in which Paul wrote these words. You see, these words were written for that time, that era, that context, that culture, and what it meant was this. In that context, for a woman to leave her head uncovered was to send a public signal to every man that you are a prostitute. According to this view, there are a lot of prostitutes that attend Brave Church. Just saying Okay. Number one, discover God's view. Number two, face your disagreements. Tell the person next to you, I'm enjoying this. Okay. All right. Number two, 
face your disagreements. Growing in any relationships mean you face your differences of opinion. If you shut down and don't talk about it, you won't grow in the relationship. So if you're a follower of Jesus, it's important that you recognize when you're not in agreement with Scripture because you're disagreeing with God. It's important that we face our disagreements and call them what they are and then ask ourselves a deeper question. Here's the question. Why am I disagreeing? I mean, why? When my actions are not in alignment with Jesus, the person I'm claiming to follow, why? Now, this is an exciting moment because this is an opportunity for you to go to the next level in your own faith and maybe even get unstuck. Let's just pick something, all right? Uh, one, uh, one of the topics, uh, finances, money, right? Jesus talked a lot about money. Evidently, it was really important to Jesus that we're a good steward of our resources. That's a big deal. Did you know, according to uh, Relevant Magazine, that only 5% of those who are claiming to be followers of Jesus and his word actually tithe? That means only 5% of those who are following Jesus in their relationship with him actually trust him with their finances. In Matthew and Luke, Jesus said this in the New Testament, yes, you should tithe, but don't forget the more important matters too. Now, this isn't a talk on tithing. Everybody breathe. <gasps> oh my gosh, right? Okay? But here's what we are talking about. We're talking about alignment with who you're following, what his word is, and what he says to you, and the why. Why is there a lack of alignment in your life? And let me ask you, before we move off of money, if you're using the same excuse, and it's now been a year, five years, 10 years, even longer, I don't know, and it's the same reason for why you're not giving, maybe you might wanna ask yourself the why. Because usually the, the reason we present is not what's really going on in our heart. Now, what's another uh, easy topic? How about sexuality? Yeah, let's do that one. Relevant Magazine says that 80% of all single adults who say they're following Jesus are sexually active. Many Christians simply do not know God's vision for their sex life. Now, this isn't about guilt or shaming anyone, but do you know what God's vision is for your sexuality? Have you studied it for yourself or just gone along with the culture? God only wants what's best for us in every area of our lives. It's up to us to discover that. But when we stop taking our cues from God's word and we just get comfortable with whatever our ongoing disagreement is and living the way we want, well, we miss out. Another example is relationships. Jesus taught us that whenever you have a disagreement with somebody, you're actually to go directly to that person and talk with them and seek reconciliation. Now, we'd all agree that that's the loving thing to do, right? But is that hard to do? Like when there's a real hurt or disagreement, I mean, do you find it easy to go right to the person and talk to them? No, I think, I think it takes a lot of courage to do that. It's an unloving thing, though, to go around and talk to other people and share all your feelings about a situation without ever going directly to the person who's involved. I think we would all agree that that's unloving. So this is a moment. What disagreements in your life with God are you not facing? Where are your actions not lining up with God's word? 
The Bible says that God's word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. That means that the word of God will lead you into the best path for your life. The outcome's really good. So do you want to grow? I mean, do you want to go to the next level in your faith? It would mean you'd have to change where there's a lack of alignment. I'd have to be willing to face why. I haven't been willing to live out the truth in that area of my life and face my disagreements. Think about this. I mean, the things that really matter most in life are really challenging. I mean, creating a new product is really hard. It's not easy or everybody be doing it. Uh, Architecting solutions or building a business or winning the Super Bowl or losing weight. Why wouldn't following Jesus, who says, take up your cross, not be challenging as well? In fact, think of it this way. The cross is the crossing of two wills, my will and his will. And so when I come to scripture and it's my will is this and his will is that, and there's the crossing of that, am I going to take up my cross? Am I going to humbly trust in God in this area of my life and follow him according to his word? When I get to a topic in the Bible that I disagree with, I need to look at, first of all, through a lens of a loving God. I know that God has my best interests in mind. So I'm going to start from that perspective. And then I really want to understand if a verse is confusing to me, I want to understand what's going on there. And then I want to try to face the issue in my own heart. Why am I wanting this verse to go a different way? Why am I wanting it to mean something other than it really means? It's so brave to follow Jesus. When you see the gap between what you know and what you do, and you're willing to address that gap, major growth happens in your life. Now write this down. When I'm honest about who I am and truthful about what I do, I can face my disagreements. By the way, we all have gaps. And God's grace covers our gaps. God gives us a grace period to change and to grow We only hurt ourselves when we allow pride to keep us from facing our disagreements. But whenever we humbly acknowledge, God, there's a gap in my life, I need to understand the why. Why do I keep allowing this gap to remain? Why am am I still saying the same thing on those same issues and I'm not growing and I'm stuck? What's going on inside of my heart? And that can be really challenging. But you know what? You're not alone. And following Jesus, man, Jesus can make you so much stronger than you think. Trust isn't easy in human nature for any of us, but I don't want to stay stuck, untrusting of my God to provide and bless in my life. Let's be brave this week. Let's, uh, let's discover God's view. Let's face our disagreements. And then number three, choose love. The story of the Bible is about God's enormous effort to have a relationship with us. God loves us. Relationships are restored when we communicate. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of wrongs. The word of God says that perfect love casts out all fear. We need to be willing to face our fears in broken relationships and have conversation, love, when I, when I go and we talk to God about whatever we're disturbed about, or we go to someone wherever there's a broken relationship or there's silence and we seek to reconcile, that is a loving thing to do. But when we stop loving, we start judging. 
And it gets ugly from there. Jesus said the greatest commandment of all is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And so the end goal is that you and I would choose always to love through our disagreements. I love this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And then he says in verse eight, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. We gotta love more, amen? Amen. And the best way that I know how to love more is not to rely on my love, but to allow his love, his love to flow through me to other people. I may be finding it hard to love and to do the right thing, but because I'm a follower of Jesus, I want Jesus' love to provoke me to do the right thing. Love requires that all of our actions reflect a movement toward, not away from each other. In fact, that's one of the keys that you know if you're walking in love. If you're walking in love, you'll walk towards the person in love. If you're not loving, you'll walk away. You'll cut it off. You'll end it. This means I've got to be honest with the gaps in my own life. I need to seek to discover God's view, not just someone else's opinion. I need to face the disagreements in my life, the gaps in my life, and I need to choose love. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you so much. God, it's uh, such a joy to learn and to grow in your word. And I just pray that for each and every one of us, that you would put a fresh new hunger in our heart for your word, to discover it, to learn, to grow, to study, to interpret it. And Lord, I pray for all of us as we face the gaps that are in our lives, Lord God, that we would be willing to do the hard work of getting unstuck, that we would face the real why, the real why, and face it head on and allow our faith and our relationship with you and other people to go to the next level. In Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Bay Area, we would love for you to join us at a Sunday gathering in San Ramon. For directions, gathering times, or information about our Brave Kids program, visit us at brave.church. Also, if you want to help support what God is doing through Brave, you can give online to the Brave Foundation at brave.church forward slash foundation.